Welcome to another episode of the Third Round Picks Podcast. We are very excited to have fellow guests today on our show, Trevor Magnati, a.k.a. Out of Legal Screens, and also Richard's back. So how don't we go ahead and say hello to Richard. Richard, how you doing? I'm pretty good. It's been a while. I missed y'all. Miss y'all. Miss you too, man. Uh, how you doing, Bibbs? Doing pretty good, man. If you hear some munching in the microphone, uh, I had to eat something. So I got you. I got you. And uh, Trevor, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it, too, on our end as well. So today's episode, we're going to be discussing injured players in the NBA draft of uh, high profile. Uh, a lot of eye-popping players on this one, particularly come to mind, uh, Jonte Porter, Darius Garland, Bull Bull should be the headliners, but also some other guys who are a bit less featured but could still be valuable players in this draft for if they're on the right team and the right fit. So we're going to go and, go, go ahead and get right into it with our only guard of the group, Darius Garland. Um, Trevor, why don't you break down uh, his injury situation? Yeah, so Garland injured his meniscus early in the year. I think he only played four games um, before the injury occurred. So he, elect, or there's two different options that you have to uh, take care of a meniscus injury. Meniscus is like a shock absorber in the knee. Um, you can either, or made out of cartilage, so you can either take out the piece of the meniscus that's torn and kind of shave it down, smooth it down, or depending on the type of tear, you can put it back together, sew it together and keep the meniscus intact. The repair takes a little bit longer to come back from, um, but it's a little bit more reliable. So he's going to, or he elected for that. He's been out for the year and is going to be trying to make a comeback for the NBA combine, uh, prove that he's healthy from that. All right. And with that, um, what would be the implication of that, like on, I guess, his current abilities at this moment, would you say, before we get into his actual, like, full game breakdown? So I think that the big thing that we have to look at for him is just going to be confidence. Um, meniscus tears kind of through a same similar mechanism to like a more major knee injury, like an ACL. So you get worried about him being or him being confident enough in his ability to explode off of one foot um, to change directions and also landing from jumps are kind of the big things that could be impacted there. I think that he is probably going to be pretty good at, or pretty good to make a full recovery. Um, these are injuries that guys come back from all the time and and having the repair, having that full meniscus intact is is helpful so i think that he's that confidence issue isn't going to be as big um but that's kind of the one thing to look at and what i'll be looking at for in the combine is does he look tentative or hesitant um kind of getting into the teeth of the defense going up to finish um is he able to change directions well does he still have the same level of shake that he did beforehand because that was one of his biggest positive attributes so i think if all of those things are are back then it's i can be pretty confident that he's He's going to make a full recovery, and I'm I'm not worried at all about this being a long-term issue. All right. Well, with that, I think we should go ahead and go break down his game. Uh, Richard, why don't you have the honors since you're you're back with us? So I haven't watched um, a ton of Garland in the three games I did. I think it was it was so long ago that I've almost forgotten. But I love I love how explosive he is. It does worry me with the meniscus and everything. Um, that does concern me because you don't. 
you really don't want a player who's got explosion and immediately have a meniscus injury. Um, but I, I like his upside. He's purely a hups, an upside pick for me um, if I'm taking him. All right. Um, Bibbs, I guess I want you to go and have your run as well. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> talked about, I think both of you guys kind of talked about explosion. Do you mean like just quickness or like actual leaping? Um, yeah, I'd say he has a pretty good dose of like all those factors. Okay. Cause I didn't, I didn't see him as being, uh, that explosive. I, I thought he was very quick. Um, he, I like his, his ball handling, um, keeping the ball alive. He does like a probing dribble. Uh, I think it was, uh, Dwayne Wade had both of his meniscus, uh, menisci. I, I don't know how to. Yeah. Menisci. <laughs> Dwayne Wade had both removed, right? Or. Yeah, he had he had portion portions of both. He's him, Russell Westbrook, Eric Bledsoe, Derek Rose. Those are guys that have that have had both um, operated on at some point, um, and likely portions removed. But um, Bledsoe's the one who's probably the closest to uh, Garland's injury, and in that he had a repair done on the one that was more of a major issue. And I think that was the twenty thirteen season okay. um, where he. Had, up missing a ton of time gotcha okay so yeah so like with him I, again i didn't see much like explosive leaping ability necessarily i thought he was very quick like that first step or whatever and that probably potentially could be affected by the, the injury um regardless i didn't because it's a meniscus because we've seen so many guys come back from it at a high level i'm not that concerned with it unless it becomes like a recurring deal um he kind of reminds me of kind of, of a Dwayne Wade with the way he keeps his ball handling alive and uses like hesitation moves uh, to keep his man at bay. Um, his jumper is not the prettiest to me. It looks kind of flat, but I mean, he's consistent with it in the few games he played. He was shooting 48% from three. So you can't really deny his uh, range. Um, he has a good step back off the bounce. He can shoot off the catch. So, uh, and he moves off the ball. So I like his ability to play one or two, depending on the situation. Um, Decision-making is somewhat of a problem for me. Um, he likes to do flashy, dangerous passes. Uh, so I expect his turnovers to probably be high when he first comes in. Um, but then again, every now and then he'll slide a pass through a tight window, and it's a great highlight. Um, defensively, he does do a little bit of ball watching. Um, He'll usually guard his man, like face guard, with his head looking over his shoulder. So uh, if his man decides to go on a backdoor cut, he gets beat that way a good bit. Uh, on the ball, he he does make an effort, but usually he's beat off the dribble by quicker guards. So he's not a guy that you're necessarily going to want to be guarding the, the best perimeter guy on the other team, as far as what I've seen. Uh, his body language seems kind of lax, but that, I mean, it's kind of like a Damian Lillard thing where he kind of seems that way as well, but we know he's not playing games. I wish that I'd gotten to see more of Garland in college because I hate going off of mostly high school stuff, but um, I, otherwise he looks like a guy that's going to get buckets at the next level and buckets are at a, uh, the number one thing that people are looking for. So uh, I, I expect him to stay pretty high regardless of whatever he's, however he performs at the uh, combine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was, he, his stock was looking like he had a chance to be like a top 10 sort of pick with the way he was going. And then he got hurt and that was tragic. 
But most people still have them up there, don't they? Oh yeah, like I mean, a lot of people do. Yeah, I I would agree with it still, but it's definitely more up in the air than it was, and he could have gotten even higher, for sure. So, it it you know you just want to see him play more than one college game versus a team that wasn't like. I mean, went, I don't went, through, remember. went through yeah. Liberty. Yeah, <laughs> like, he played USC. USC that was yeah, USC, and that's it. That was the one. Then it was on freaking Pac-12 network, so I, I couldn't exactly watch it. <laughs> And it was nowhere on the internet. So, uh, based off what I saw on some old Peach, uh, Peach Jam film and also a uh, game in high school, um, yeah, the face guarding thing definitely applied. He was a lot of times where he was like, tra- when he was trailing his man on cuts or whatever, and he would just go for the steal by like going the other way around the screen and then try to uh, tip the pass, which sometimes would really burn him. Um, the lackadaisical way about him, I definitely saw a good amount of that. Where like sometimes he just seemed to be chucking some shots that didn't really make any sense, even though there was plenty of time left, or like t- not really looking for the best angle to fit this post feed through a small hole, and then it gets stolen into a fast break. And sometimes the hustle can be questioned, but I mean at the same time, how hard are you going to go on in a guy based off of AAU tape and high school tape? Right. And mm-hmm. the jump shot. It seemed like he had trouble extending it to NBA range, uh, particularly like at least based on you know like basically what is eighteen months old tape now. So I <laughs> no, mean, because his shot is kind of like stiff to me. Did you get that? A little bit, yeah. It was it was kind of was strange to me, but at the same time, if it goes in and based on his college sample, what am I going to say? Be like, ah, oh, don't do it that way, but. <laughs> Um, he he has a he had a couple really good instances of running pick and roll and hitting his roller right in stride. Even though for whatever I guess the AAU guys weren't really big enough or whatever they they didn't have a good time finishing in those games I saw either. Um, in the high school tape, he was just do taking most of the shots the entire game. Like he, I think he dropped like twenty something or thirty, and there were only like fifty points scored for his entire team. So. <laughs> the one I watched, uh, he had 43. Uh, I think it was like against Centennial or something. It was like the first game of the season. I watched them versus Whitehaven because they were one of the top-ranked schools in the state. So, okay. Yeah, it was it was interesting to watch because at first he started off kind of slow, and then once he started getting buckets, I mean, it was pretty much over. <laughs> yeah, he, he dropped a guy in the Whitehaven game, but he completely blanked the, the, like the 25 or 26-foot three-pointer. He, did. he made the one that he dropped the guy in this game too, but I think he made it. Was it that deep though? No, it was like right at the line. Yeah, no, it was it was a couple. It was at least a few feet behind the line, but I think it was probably twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, something like that. Okay. Um, other than that, he he had quite a few instances of like lobbing it over the defense, uh, to get it inside for like post feeds <laughs> or whatever. And those he executed pretty well whenever he actually seemed engaged. But other times he was just like not like fully paying attention to it. And he just kind of didn't do it the proper way. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that translates to the next level. But obviously, how much are you going to go in on a guy for playing a little lax at the AAU and high school level? Right. Um, and I was going to say, uh, I do like the way he break, he uh, breaks down the defense to set guys up. So like the penetration and dish idea. Um, 
he does seem to have a good awareness of how to set guys up. It's just a matter of when he throws the pass, how he's passing it. Like, uh, he'll, he does try to do too much often with the pass. Like, just get the ball to the man. You don't have to do a no-look behind the back type of situation. Yeah, and then on his drives, at least in Peach Jam play, like, a lot of his drives he was using, like, he- not like not necessarily head fakes, but, like, I guess shoulder fakes to, like, shimmy his way around the defense, duck up and under, and get into the lane. He did that a lot. He was very agile, like you were saying. He's very quick. Right. So I definitely did see a lot of that, too. And, of course, I saw the hesitations. I wish I could have saw- seen some more with, like, the breaking down dribble because most of his dribbling came on, like, drives where he had a little advantage. It was never, like, straight-up ISO. Or if it was, it was not exactly a good result. It was usually, like, a deep three-pointer that he missed. Gotcha. Yeah, that's more that's more what the college tape looks like is that he looks like much more comfortable breaking guys down off the dribble, had a lot more space. Um having Shitu to be able to set him free off screens was really helpful, but um it was it was far less of the um kind of orchestrated stuff and more him him doing stuff by by himself. He needed a really good job of creating a ton of space for him to be able to get to his pull up jumper, which is always something that you like to see from uh point guards that's something that's going to project well to the nba level for sure i mean him being able to attack on drives and then the defense having to choose between him penetrating the lane or him hitting a 15 foot pull up jumper on you it's going to be tough to balance (laughs) well i think that's all to be said for darius garland yes i mean i was going to ask you uh oh okay let's let's compare him to some of our point guards that we've discussed so far so uh, who who are your top two right now? Kobe White, so far that we've discussed. Kobe White and uh, who's the other guy? I completely blank. Um, I think it would be for me and my like Trey Jones maybe. I guess yeah. Trey we had Jones. somebody else up there. I'm 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 sorry. I'm messing up. <laughs> the uh, my my mind. Is uh, I'm, I mean I'm I'm trying to decide Jabari. who's a, there we go. a jaw. Yeah, of course. Oh my goodness, jaw. <laughs> wow, that is the most humiliating thing that has ever happened to me on this podcast. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is, that was bad. I thought y'all said after top two. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can see both of those guys being up there. <laughs> it all seemed <laughs> normal to me. So, so, so like, uh, I mean, I've seen Garland go top five. And Job, I think, has been pretty safely top five. Uh, I mean, what did, what did, why do you choose one over the other? Oh, uh, I mean, I, you go I first, mean, Richard. And I'll let you go. You're you're talking like choosing one of those two in the yeah, um, in the draft. I mean, John Moran is he's unreal. I mean, he's already he's so much better than than I think uh, Darius Garland is. I mean, granted, with Garland, I uh, we really don't know how his IQ is because I, I really don't think you can judge that off of AAU and and in five game sample size where you can't even watch half the games. That's gonna be the real difference maker. Um, but I think John Moran is, he's just better right now. And I, I think he does have a higher IQ. He definitely, uh, I, I, I will say he probably is a, a better point guard right now. Like as far as a guy that's going to distribute the ball and knows when to pick his spots. Um, I think Garland is the better shooter right now. So, uh, I think that's where teams are going to probably have to weigh that decision. Yeah. I mean, Personally, in, unless you're like a team that, like, because even though Ja might have the better, like, general basketball IQ, he plays like 
at least in Murray State, so you never know. Like maybe in the NBA, he can play much under control. But in, in where he is right now, he's very much a wild thing, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. And that's kind of a hard thing to handle if you're a team that's like pushing for playoffs or something and just needs that one extra piece or something. Like some teams that, <laughs> like, or like some teams that might end up like a. Like if like the if the the Grizzlies end up giving their pick to Boston or something like that, if that ends up happening. So are you saying you like Garland more? It, oh, generally I like Jaw because most because like you're one if you're if you're going to start your franchise, give me Jaw. Okay. But if you're looking to add a piece to try to fit with the rest of your guys, I most likely I'm picking Garland. Interesting. Interesting. Especially for the range. Right. I think that's what's going to be the the thing that helps Garland even be in that discussion is you can't deny his shooting right now. Yeah, you can't. He's and he just feels like he's interestingly crafty for a guy that's like has a lot of good athletic tricks to go with that. Right. Um yeah, I just wanted to get an idea where where we were looking at Garland uh as far as the draft goes, I think. The, the, do we need to make a comp to Kobe at all? Uh, I'll, all I want to do is because I know you like Kobe. Is would you pick him or Garland, and then we'll go on. I think I think I still pick Kobe. I understand that pick, but I'm not <laughs> sure whether I'd agree or disagree with it because I just need to mull over all my thoughts about Kobe White again, and like really think about it. Because just make sure you're me. not letting that afro influence any of your decisions. That fro is awesome. Okay. <laughs> Why, how can you not allow it to influence your decisions? Yeah, no, he moved, like a two-point Good hair, good hair, and good name. Like that's an automatic five-spot bump for me. So, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's marketability right there. Yeah. Was seeing him on uh, some like Gatorade ad or something year one. Exactly. Yeah. Why do y'all think I have Jonathan Isaac number two? It wasn't just his game. <laughs> Get a sick mohawk. <laughs> Kill it. it that's, that's just, that stuff matters. All right. Say whatever you want. It does though. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's about that. <laughs> he finally cut the hair, y'all. Just like Hasn't a year ago anything. now, right? <laughs> but uh, I think it's safe to move on to another big name before we give ourselves a little break from all this star, the bright lights of all these stars. So, uh, Richard, I want to know. I want your update on how you feel about Bobo after. We hit, give it to Trevor and ask him how uh, what's Bobo's injury situation. Yeah, so Bobo, um, he has a stress fracture in his foot. Um, we don't know exactly which bone it is, um, but it does seem like it does seem like it's it's more of a stress related injury. Um, he had surgery to fix it. He's going to be out again probably until the NBA draft combine and try try to come back from that. Um, the big question with his or with his recovery is does this or does this not mean anything for kind of his longevity in the league with his frame um, being as tall and as thin as he is anytime that you see somebody with his body type have some sort of stress related injury um, there's a higher likelihood that he's going to end up with having recurrent issues with that um, think of like Drew Holiday or Bradley Beal both tall or thin guys that um, suffered uh frequently from stress injuries throughout their career, uh, throughout their career. Um, so the worry is that he is going to be undone 
by having recurrent issues with his feet or with his lower legs um, and stress-related issues related to that. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, in addition, you're talking about for a big that plays so often on the perimeter, he's using his feet a lot, so... Yeah, and he's taller, you know, at seven foot three, that adds a little bit more to that as well. I mean, it's one thing to be six, seven or or even seven foot and have these issues. But we haven't seen somebody who is as tall as he is have these issues in a long time. Yeah, for sure. And then on top of that, his legs look uh, like a la Tariq Owen style with how thin they are, thin sticks they are. Uh, So... Yes, it is a good reference to a previous episode in this podcast. So, Richard, why don't you go ahead and give us your your thoughts on Bobo? Um, so I haven't changed really where I stand on Bowl uh, since our very first episode where I had just gotten back from watching Bobo. I have him currently at 16th on my board. Um, I feel like any other draft class, it would be lower. It's just you might as well take the chance. Um, I just, I really don't like outside of his length and, you know, potential to shoot a jump shot and kind of handle the ball. I don't know how much he can actually do that because I don't like his feel for the game. I feel like he just, he has conditioning and motor issues. Um, I'm just, I'm not sold on him at all. And the injury just, the injury really scares me for a big man. That scares me. Well, here's what I have to say about bull is the motor thing is a, it's a thing. It's a it's a bad thing. Like uh, there are moments in the game where he's like, you know, on the edge of the paint, just doesn't even bother to try to follow the driver, even though he could probably easily swat the absolute living hell out of him. He just doesn't even bother. And then there are other moments where you see him turning up for like exactly one play and he goes like, ah, and then he, you never see it again for like the quarter or the half or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, where was where? where and- come on, man. And to his to his defense on defense, it was an absolute. Um, it was it was a mess before he went down because there was an overlap of just all the talent. They really didn't have any spot up shooters. Um, there, it was just everything is really hard to judge with that Oregon team. That's why I'm like high on Louis Lewis King. Uh, I think that offense and just that whole system is just a disaster. So it is a little bit hard to judge him on that because. Him and Wooden had like overlapping zones when they would play zone defense, and they both loved going for every single block possible. Um, and yeah, I think it was just a bad fit with a bad system. Right. Um, uh, going back to uh, the son of Manute, mm. always remember the Manute. <laughs> but R.I.P. R.I.P. For real. Um, the the jump shot. It the, the it slumped over. I think it's his. Yeah, it slumped over his right shoulder. Like it looks like he's shooting it like just up from his right shoulder, and then he's. It, it's very <laughs> sorry. I was just gonna say it looks like it's very easy to get blocked and like easy to be influenced by contests. But does that matter? Because he's seven three. I mean, <laughs> I mean it can because if you're getting closed down on by like Jaron Jackson, who has a seven foot six, seven foot five wingspan and six foot eleven, and you're shooting it from your shoulder, that's enough to where it could matter. And I mean, Jaron, if Jaron, if Bull actually stays around the NBA, he's going to end up getting guarded by like a Jaron Jackson. Yeah. And I don't know if it's how big his hands are or not, because he has huge hands. Oh, yeah. But like on his jump shot, he doesn't get like a clean follow through. It's all off his palms. So I don't know like that. 
that concerns me too, but I don't know if that has to do with just his physical traits and him physically being unable to do it or not, but still worrisome to me. He yeah. should be able, you would think how huge his hands are, he should be able to get the ball just on his fingers um, and shoot it that way. But, I mean, I, he's shooting 50, he shot 52% from three while he was healthy, three a game. Oh, no, you yeah. just can't and, deny the ability. So. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, no, he can shoot it. I just worry a little bit about him actually being able to consistent. It's just the consistency. Like, because 50 is not a huge sample size. It could be a hot streak kind of thing, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, he does. Like I, like I noted that he his jumper was a little slow. He could probably speed up his uh, his technique, I guess. Um, but I don't know if that's just a matter of his his length and just needing to get with somebody like a, a coach that can can help him out with that. Yeah, like uh, Drew Hanlon, maybe. I mean, I won't be surprised if I see the videos popping up on the timeline in a couple months. So I'm saying maybe maybe he'd be good with. Uh, may I? Say God Sham God. Be like any anyone who needs any ball handling improvement, perfect fit. God Sham God will fix him. One love to God Sham God made Harrison Barnes a legit ball handler. Yeah. Yep. Until, <laughs> until it mattered at that last. You know what? Never mind. I'm digressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much. <laughs> go here. Uh, practice your four pointers. <laughs> but uh, do you project him as? Would you want him to be your your lone big if you're going to go quote unquote modern NBA? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the only way I'm letting that man be my lone big is if I can brainwash him into wanting to play defense on every possession. <laughs> See, I think, I think it just depends. I wouldn't touch him in the top 10. I think that's asking to be fired. Um, <laughs> I think if you, cause, cause I mean, it's the same way I thought that exact same thing about John Hammonds and eventually he did get fired. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if it was because of that pick or not, but 11 is the earliest I would take him, and it depends on the team. Like, if you're Charlotte, I think you can gamble on him. Uh, I don't – I know. It's, I know. But I think he would actually <laughs> be good there. Michael. I mean, hopefully something about Michael Jordan's influence. And they – I think – did they ever – did Manu Bowl and Michael Jordan play together or no? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Couldn't remember that off the top of my head. I was going to say maybe they had some connection or something. Um but I, I don't know, Charlotte, I'm just looking at current standings. Charlotte's about as early as I would go. And a team like that, or Minnesota, Minnesota would be great for it because they really don't have anything to lose this year. Okay. Like, if you're already a borderline playoff team or at least have the talent for it, you can afford to take the risk. Okay. Yeah, but what about your locker room? Because <laughs> I'm not sure how bubble yeah. is with that, and that could be a problem. And also, especially whenever you're trying to get in the playoffs and you have a guy that doesn't really want to play defense – so you're just going to yeah. sit him or put him in the G League whenever you picked him in the lottery? Yeah, I mean, things can change. I mean, don't forget he's not getting paid. You know, there, there's a lot of factors with this. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, it definitely, definitely plays into motivation. I, I, I just – motor isn't important to some extent, but, like, there's also a lot of context, you know? Right. And I, I agree with what you said about the uh, redundancies that they had in their team. Uh, they were just hard to watch just because yep. – like you said, the spacing was completely horrible. It felt like he he didn't know where to be on the court, and I don't know. I can't put that on him completely. It looked like the, like you said, the the whoever the whatever the coach was trying to do just wasn't clear. No, uh, yeah. So for me, I, I I mean the best comp I can come up with is Porzingis, but like not as aggressive as Porzingis, just because he's a stick figure, 
seven foot three guy that can shoot threes and uh, when he wants to block shots is very good at it um, just because of how long he is he moves pretty fluently I think for a guy his size better than I expect um, the injury is a horrible sign because that's the main thing I would have been worried about coming into this year about him is can he stay healthy uh, so to see him get injured in college, that's going to, I mean, that's probably going to knock his stock down a little bit just on that thought alone. Um, <clears throat> you, I don't know how much weight he can put on. I mean, you look at who his father was, Manu didn't exactly gain a lot of weight at any point. So you have to look at him. I, he kind of looks like he just wants to stay on the perimeter. He doesn't want to be anywhere near the paint, period. Um so you have to look at him as a, a four that's floating on the outside most of the time, in my opinion. I have a right. comparison for Oh, him. let oh, me hear this. Sorry, sorry uh, let me hear this. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's not anything I'm, like, dead set on, but uh, what about Hassan Whiteside? Um, no. <laughs> hey, I mean, I know Bull has a little bit more of a jump shot, but a Whiteside's been shooting him. Well, Whiteside's <laughs> been shooting the mid-range. He's been shooting him more. Has Whiteside been doing dribble drive turnaround jumpers? Well, I mean, I don't think I I don't think Bull's gonna be doing that for a while. I mean, he has, he's done care. it a couple times, I think. If I remember, I think like the first shot I saw him take was like a off a curl catch shoot three, like nothing but net. I was like, what the heck? Yeah, I've seen, no, yeah, I've I've seen him take pull ups before. I just I don't know how consistent that can be. Right. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's all up in the air because you're like, oh, this looks so janky. How can I ever trust this? Right. Yeah, like it's on wide side with some range. This is basically what I would say. And perimeter game. I was gonna say I think he can put the ball on the floor a good bit too. Okay, fine. It's on wide side with some guard skills. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, we'll st- we'll but like the same way, a... would you? Like, what you, you mean knowing... the attitude? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Knowing what you know about Whiteside, though, like with his attitude and how long it took him to get into the NBA consistently, okay. like would you take him top ten? It's on wide side in, in like an average draft class to oh. last year's draft. Last year's draft was average to you? Well, above average, but I'm just sorry. Those are two separate <laughs> thoughts. Like, yeah, uh, well, that was like, but like, say last year's draft, would you take him top 10? Hassan? N- yeah, Hassan, knowing what you know now, even with him being out of the league quick and everything. Personality means a lot to me, so I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have either, but if I did, it would have been like 10. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the really you'd take him. You'd take him pretty high in this draft, is right? Probably. Yeah, definitely. Like, where where do y'all have Bull Bull? Like, what's the latest you see him going? Latest, um, somewhere in like the early twenties or something, because some some team's gonna fall in love with his upside. Yeah. I'm not saying that. where I where I want I'm him to be. I'm giving him the Michael Porter treatment. <laughs> He's gonna go in that mid-teens area. I mean, I Bull wasn't even on Michael Porter's level. Like, he was never considered the number one pick. People are gonna be intrigued by just. I mean, he won the pedigree. Uh, to just they're who, they're who, how many players in the league are like him if he's healthy? Um, I guess Chris and sort of Kevin Durant in a way, he's like five, yeah, yeah. So it's so it's like just the on the potential upside. If you're one of those teams that's like, like Richard said, borderline playoff and you can take a little bit of a risk, I that's that's the type of team that's going to end up picking up. I'm telling you, Minnesota. Anywhere from that, that 12 to 18, 19 range. It'd be so weird to see Towns and Bull on the same well, court. Because they tried Patton. They, I mean, he couldn't stay healthy. But like they were intrigued by what they could have had in Patton next to Towns. So, I mean, and didn't he go in that same range? 
Yeah, yeah, he went 16, I think, or whatever was traded for Markkanen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there's upper teens somewhere, but, I mean, I like what I saw offensively as far as skill set, whether or not it was used correctly or if that was him not being what he needed to be uh, is another thing. Um, obviously, I prefer rebounding type bigs and he has he had moments where he you know reached over a crowd and grabbed a rebound because his hands are huge and his arms are long um i've seen him try to box out he doesn't have a lot of body to use yeah he can't get low so he's not getting leverage on anybody um but i also notice i love when he does close out on shooters on the perimeter he keeps his body completely away from them like Again, his arms are so ridiculously long and his legs are so long. He, like, will go full speed at a guy and extend out. Like, his body will be three feet away, but he can extend, like, to the right or to the left as far as he needs to to still be able to contest the shot well. Um, So I think he's smart in that sense. But he's not a guy that you want guarding a post big, in my opinion. Oh, God, no. Okay, so two-minute piece about ball I have to say really quick. Um... His addiction when he drives or he's in post-ups is to not ever pass. <laughs> like, it seems like he never passes out of the post or in a, uh, or in a drive or anything. Uh, the only time I've ever seen him pass, and he made a very beautiful pass with it, um, was when he, like, uh, windmilled it out of like, from, like, the top of the key, and he hit a cutter on the move, and that was beautiful. But outside of that, I've, like, never seen him make any passes, so that's going to really limit him whenever he's using a lot of his game on the perimeter. See, so I saw something different. <laughs> uh, in the games I saw, I thought he was a pretty decent passer, especially uh, out of double teams in the post. Oh, no. I he, I've, well, I he He's made a couple ones where, like, he was just absolutely boxed in. I was like, yeah, he did that. And then other times he just made absolutely infuriating decisions where he just kept forcing the shot up. And I was like, you are being double and triple teamed. I think it's tough for him because even if he's double or triple team, he's still over top of everybody. So then you should pass it over top of everybody because you can see over everybody. But it's like if I can pass it over top, maybe I can shoot it too. So <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it's, uh, he's, he just has to make the right decision more than he makes the, the wrong decision there. I mean, he's young, so I'll give him some slack. I'm just saying it's just it's that one thing. All right, so it actually ended up being 90 seconds. That's even better. Uh, Why don't we give ourselves a break from all these big names and give us just a moment for uh, a slightly less big name. It's still a very important player in uh, Killian Tilly. So Tilly, he's got two injury situations now, if I'm correct, because I believe the original injury that kept him out previously was like a shoulder injury. Well, let me see here. I know right now he's dealing with a torn ligament in his right foot. Yes, I, I know it's a foot injury. Uh, let's see. Not another set. Miss, no, it was an ankle injury that kept him out. Ankle. Oh. Uh, then, do we have any details on what it actually is or just say ankle? And then the hip injury that took him out last year. So he's just he's got all sorts of issues. So his lower half of his body is falling apart. <laughs> It's I mean, like. that's not the greatest thing to have your entire lower body falling apart whenever a lot of your game is shooting threes. And, you know, even though he does have a pretty low, like, jump, so it's going to be – he's low impact anyway. Right. 
so it's not going to hurt him too much. Um, Richard, why don't you go first? Because uh, I don't know. I'm I'm going crazy in my mind right now. So you go. So I had a lot written up on him last year. Like I had a full scouting <laughs> report on him. Um, I like. I like just uh, what people see in Jonte. I kind of see in in Tilly, uh, kind of some foreshadowing there. But I love his feel for the game and IQ. Uh, and I think he actually kind of moves well on the perimeter for someone who's really not all that athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's got a good potential both in the pick and roll and pick and pop. Um, I really like him. He's going to fit well in NBA spacing. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. I love him on Dallas in the second round. I mean, um, I, I certainly wouldn't mind it if he's actually going to be okay in terms of health-wise. If Casey Smith approves, why not? <laughs> no, I, I agree with everything Richard just said. Um, he Because of his injury history, I think he's got a very good chance to slip into the second round. Right? I mean, if, if you consider that slipping, I think if he had come back this year and played the way he had previously, he was definitely going to be looking at being a first-round pick. Uh, the injury situation has kind of made that cloudy. Um, like you said, he's not super athletic, but it, to me, he kind of moves like a guard at 6'10", 220. Um, he's not exactly a stick figure either. He's not muscular or anything like that, but he's not small. Um, the IQ, like one thing I noticed about him when he's playing inside, he'll he'll move over and bump cutters as they run through the paint, which is something that's fundamentally taught but that you don't see a lot. Um is to try to slow down the momentum of cutters, like whether or not you're actually covering them. Um, to move off your man, uh, he, he does a decent job trying to stay in front of perimeter guys. Uh, I felt hard, felt difficult to judge him coming off foot in, or a hip and then a foot injury, um, being a, li- a, step, a little step slow. Uh, he hedges too hard on screen sometimes. Um, He's not really a rim protector. As we said, he's not that athletic, but he does come over to try to help. And uh, otherwise, again, I think he's a good scoring big because of his mobility and shooting touch. Um, You look at the numbers, he was shooting 30% from three in the games he's played this year. Uh, But I think that's probably just more of just being rusty because he shot 48% his first two years at Gonzaga from three. So... Yeah, and more importantly, I mean, it was like a lower body injury, so that might have a bit of an effect on him again. So, um, in the game I saw from this year was a uh, San Francisco away. Um, he like he had the ball. I think he shot it like maybe three or four times, and that was like it. And yeah, he's he was in a much more limited, reduced role in his time back and. Now he's hurt again. So I guess the question is, is he an injury-prone player that is safe to pick like in the first round? Or is he, like you were saying, is he probably going to fall the second round? I'm thinking with the way this class is looking, someone might take a look at him in the late 20s, but otherwise he's falling down because of all the health issues. Yeah. Um, the shot, I appreciate how he's how he gets uh he has actually a relatively high release up like top of his head but not above it um prevents uh defenders from being able to block it whenever he's going to be guarded by fours like typically so and then he also has a decent ability to at least take some fours a little bit off the dribble just because he has the shot so they're having to guess a little bit but it's nothing explosive and i wouldn't say it's anything special particularly in that regard 
Um, uniquely, I I think I saw him miss like maybe one free throw, and he took several, like at least fifteen, in the games I watched. So he's he feels like he's a knockdown free throw shooter, and his his form looks excellent. Seventy seven percent on his career. So. His career? How was he last year? Whenever it was his best year. It was like seventy seven for his first two years. It was seventy two this year, but again, I'm going back with the yeah. That's in the upper mid to upper seventies is like average for a good free throw shooter. Like not great, but good. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, um, I do like that he can put the ball on the floor. He has good touch in, inside. Uh, I think he uses fakes well, and that's going to be important if he's going to be a stretch big. Uh, being able to keep a guy off balance with the idea of is he going to shoot or is he going to try to put the ball on the floor, a couple dribbles and pull up or hit a floater. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with his pump fake game, most of what I saw with it was rather than him using it to get driving advantage, he would use it to draw fouls. He did it so many times, and I was like, wow, this is kind of impressive. Like, if he can actually legitimately be a foul drawer in the NBA, when you're having to foul with your big man, like your four or your five man in the paint, that's going to really be a trouble because a lot of defenses rely on their fours and their fives to bail them out of situations. Uh, Richard, any thoughts uh, other than what you already said? Uh, not too much. I, uh, as with the Mavs, and just we want to talk about it for a second. Uh, sure. I do like I do like his fit with Dallas. I think um, I think Carlisle would love him in fifteen to twenty minutes. Like he he would be perfect in that role. He can you know be a little bit of a playmaker. Uh, I feel like that's everything that he wants in a bench big playmaker, shooter, pick and roll, IQ, all of that. <laughs> right. So, uh, he's like some weird kind of, is he some kind of weird fusion to you between Dorian and Maxi? except maybe without like the elite nah. defensive ability? No, uh, I'd say the guy who, the former Mav who I was thinking of when I was talking about that was actually Dewan Blair. Cause he was a really good playmaker for the power forward and he was way under, he was an under the rim player. He couldn't really shoot, yeah, but with say, the playmaking, yeah, like the playmaking was real popular with Rick. So the <laughs> what? A combination of Blair and Brokoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we Perfect. go. That's it. I was like, there's there gotta be something that has to do with the current Mavs player that he's he has something to do with. I was like one of them. Speaking of Brokoff doesn't play at all and it's very frustrating. <sighs> no comment. Yeah, but <laughs> with that being said, hashtag uh, three broke off. Hashtag go for broke. But, <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, I think we got to move on to the next uh, man in the lineup. Sagaba. Sure, we'll go about. We'll go talk about Senor Kanate. Um, I love his volleyball blocks, man. <laughs> They're so beautiful. They make me cry. I shed a tear every time. <laughs> like he's he's like he's basically like the size of like a big three, and he he can basically only play center. Even yeah. with is a jump shot. Six eight two fifty. Yeah. Oh man. And it's like below isn't it like below seven percent body fat? Like it's incredible. No, he's he's cut. Yeah. And he he's just his technique is so good that I, even if sometimes he gambles he can get away with it surprisingly high amount of times just because He's so like savvy with, I guess, how he plays. Yeah, he's very smart with how he plays defense, even if he gambles a lot sometimes. 
Right. Um, Montrez Harrell comparison. Um, how long? Yeah, I was about to say I don't know how long Montrez Harrell's wingspan is because I feel like it's bigger. It might be. Um, Kanate's just so smooth about how he how he goes about it. Um, like he does a good job of going vertical and then going to get the block. Yes, for sure. Like, and like establishing his verticality. And also, I feel like Harrell might be a better rim runner, but that's just me. If you ex- just tr- change the rim running, rim rim running, wow, rim running. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the rim running out with a, a jump shot. Kanate um, uh, shooting 39% from three right now, three a game. So this was not something that he was doing last year at all. No, it was not. It is, uh, based on what I've been seeing before, uh, I didn't really get a, much of a chance to see much of him this year because he didn't play much. And it didn't, like other than the jumpers, like most of the other stuff, whenever I peaked, seemed the same. So I didn't really get a chance to focus in on him yet. Um, would you say the jumper forms really changed this last year? Or it just looks like it's been better practice. Uh, looks like he's been just working on extending the range. I, I remember last year I made a lot of notes about him looking like he had a little bit of a mid-range jumper. Yeah. Um, so he's just extending that range. Uh, I mean, he's 81% free throw shooter, so I don't think shooting touch is an issue for him necessarily. Um, I think he's another one of those guys that's partially a victim the game I watched, at least, uh, he's a partially a victim to the way referees ref physical guys inside. Um, like, he could not stay on the court in the game I was watching. And yeah. when you're a big guy that blocks shots, it's and you can't, you know, you're going out of the game every two, three minutes, it's going to be hard to, to get a rhythm of any sort. Um, I don't think he's a great rebounder either, if we're going to go there. Well, I, I mean, he, I think he puts in some amount of effort, but I mean, at the end of the day, you can only do so much when you're six foot eight. Right. I think he's just, he should be just off of girth alone, should be able to be a better rebounder. He's decent on defense, but offensively pretty much non-existent. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing is in the paint, how like the one thing with like the Montrez Harrell thing that really irritates me is that I don't I haven't really seen him play much above the rim like it's like unless it's an open space he he doesn't really get that high he doesn't really like throw it down often at least whenever I remember yeah like you know Harrell he can really he can jam it on you got you yeah no Kanate's not that guy at all he wants to go through you more than he's going to try to go over you he might be like a better comparison for Dewan if he was a way better shot blocker or something yeah. like less playmaking though. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I did notice about him when he does try to score on the inside, he puts a lot of his shots up short. Like he's trying to put too much touch on it. Yeah, I mean, he it's probably just what like a shooting coach telling him, like we want you to put some good touch on it, and then he just did a little too much, but that's okay. Uh, so, what do you think his trajectory is at the next level? Um. The undersized big man that your team brings in off the bench to fill in whenever your team is getting torched by some really thick big man in the post that's not like seven foot two. <laughs> Richard, uh, you? Uh, it's really exact. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think his upside in the NBA is really just kind of being a uh, kind of a Maxi Kleba type, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, just where I am on that. Yeah, I think that's that's the safe bet. Uh, 
is he a draft pick or is he a guy that people are calling after the draft is over to try to get him under summer league teams? He ought to be uh, a draft pick. I think teams are going to see him in the workouts and they're going to fall in love with him. They should. Yeah, I think he's a fiery type guy too, and everybody loves a guy like that that's you could throw in off the bench that's going to come out there with some energy and intensity and uh, spark spark something potentially. So, yeah, I like him as a maybe late second round pick. Yeah, he's going to be. He might end up being like one of those fifties pick steals, like Corix was this year, where you're, where you're going back and like, how did he last this long? Or something like that. Um, except for me, to be honest, like, like once you get past like pick forty-five, I might start going like, "How has he not been picked yet? How has he not been picked yet?" Because like at certain points, like, I just like him that much. But right. you know. for me, it's like you have a guy that you know what he does versus mystery guys. Uh, I think you go with the, the guy who you know what to expect from, regardless of the upside. And plugs a good amount of holes for you too, and he's gonna have the effort to beat out his physical disadvantages. Definitely has an NBA role for sure. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else really worth noting? Because I think we covered him pretty well. I think we covered that. All right. Um, why don't we move on to his fellow Big 12 big man, um, Udoka Azubuki. 7'280". Uh, yeah, he's so huge, man. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's just amazing to think that Zion is heavier than he is, and he's six foot six or six foot seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh Y'all my. think Kazubuki gets drafted? Let's let's start there. Um, possibly, most likely, I would think. Really? I would think so, because teams are gonna, because teams are gonna, someone's gonna fall in love with a, because someone, some teams just love big men. They're gonna take a big man late in the draft because they love big men. Just, just to have a body to throw at Embiid if the 76ers make Yes, it. exactly. Like, a body to throw at Joel Embiid, a body to throw on uh, Jokic or something like that, or Nurkic. Like, someone's going to want to do that. Or Anthony Davis, I guess. I okay. Even though I wouldn't do that. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know. I'm torn on it because he's only 19. Like, he'll be 19 until training uh, camp. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, about that. There's, there's definitely. Yeah. yeah. Are we doing this? No, no. I'm just saying it's, it's just worth noting <laughs> that uh, the the agent put out several different dates, or the, the the advisor put out several different birth dates during his AAU play. That's all I'm gonna say. That's that's been directly reported. Well, as of right now, he's 19. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll go with him being 19. That could be intriguing. So uh, that's why I'm torn. That's really the thing that's holding me back from saying no. I think he goes in the bottom 10 of the draft, though. If, if he is nineteen, yeah. If he is nineteen, then that is ridiculously impressive. How strong he is and how yeah. built he is. <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, he has a youthful looking face, really. But besides that, I think for me, it's more about his health that's gonna be yeah slowing me down. And I agree with you. That bottom half of the second round is probably where he's gonna go. Just from a team like the Mavs do, where we just grab a novelty pick late in the second round. Um, a team's gonna say, you know what, we could use a body and draft him, most likely. Yeah, and he probably still deserves to be picked somewhere, somewhere like that. But it's tough because there's, there's a lot. Like he's also kind of a question mark because the injury situation and stuff like that. But I think he's definitely worthy of one, something like that, especially with his the the way he's able to finish plays. Yeah. 
He's a good scorer inside. My the only problem that's probably gonna keep him, like even if he was healthy, one thing that's gonna slow him down as far as upside is thirty four percent from the free throw line. Um, it's kind of hard to keep a big on the floor. As yeah, I uh, the first the first game I was credentialed for with TCU was the Kansas game, and I got there really early and I saw him practicing his free throws. And oh my goodness, it is, it's broken. It's broken real bad. And I don't know if it'll ever, like, I, I don't mean that in, in a, I'm not trying to like make fun of him, but the dude is going to have a really hard time for his whole career overcoming those free throw woes, you know, like, cause he's completely limited to one, like within five feet of the basket. He can't do anything outside of that. Yeah. And then the the crazy thing is he's there. He's so good at within five feet that you're just like, it doesn't even matter to a certain extent. Like, well, it matters, but like, it's so good that you could still say it's so he's so worthy of getting picked at some point just because he's so big and he's, he's he has pretty good touch on his post hooks. He hit a very good percentage of them. Like, I think it was like 60 something percent. In the previous year, oh, 53% on 66 attempts of his post hooks last year. Um, freaking seven foot seven wingspan. <laughs> um, also, he, he, like, he, he's able to jam it harder than like anybody you ever see at the college level with like his size. And like, he has like, like, as you call it, power hands. Like, yes, like, I, I, like. What you if you don't pick him and you need a big man that just is gonna jam on you, and he's gonna play like I think he plays hard relatively even though he's kind of plotting and all that so you can't really ask him to go outside the paint. It's kind of like, treat him like a Boban. Yeah, like a Boban that's I he, that might be even like even more technical and a bit better finisher. Because I'm, I'm not sure how Boban is with his post hooks right now. Boban is very feathery with the touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know because he's like he's been bouncing around everywhere it seems. <laughs> no, but uh, I I really like Elzebuki um as a uh, as a lover of traditional big men. Yeah, um, the past couple of years I've been kind of pulling for him. Wish he could stay healthy, but um yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes. I you notice over these past couple of weeks. A lot of teams are loading up on big men, and I think they see, you know, who the top teams are, and the, the fact that you're going to need a big man. So, I think that bodes well for a guy like Azabuki coming out this year. Okay, and I think we just said, I think we said everything, right? Yeah. You have uh, the brother of uh, Michael Porter Jr., who also had injury problems, but different injury problems. Um. So why don't we go ahead and get into him, uh, Richard? I know you were saying you liked Tilly the way people like Dante. So why don't you go ahead and go first while I look up his injury details? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have like a ton against Dante. Like that's not supposed to be a shot. I've I've seen a lot of people put him in the top five, top ten. I frankly can't get behind that because I I think he's just a role player at the next level. Like I don't, I don't think he's ever gonna be. Uh, he's a starter at most. Like a, a guy who like yeah he starts. But that's he's not going to be more than that, you know. So yeah. I, I think, however, in this draft, that may be exactly what some teams need. Like you, you can't just fill a team full of superstars. You got to have some guys who do the in between stuff, and he definitely does that. That's why I think he's got one of the highest floors in the league. And really, the ACL injury does nothing to affect the stock because he's that's so right. he's already unathletic. Like right, he's so like a low budget Wendell. He's a low budget Wendell Carter for me. 
Yeah, yeah I guess. I, I, okay. I, oh. I like – he has a unique skill set where he's a 3 and D guy and he's a power forward. Like that – I feel like you, there's nobody in the league that is a true power – like I think Jonte is a true power forward and he's a true 3 and D guy, you know. So it's a unique role. Right. Like he's not undersized at all. That's what, 6'11", 240? Something like that. <clears throat> yep. Somewhere in that range. Um, I like that he, he moves the ball well. Um, he, he can feed the post from the perimeter. Uh, I think he was shooting 36% from three last year. So he can step out. Uh, he looks for a guy to box out. So very fundamental on the box out. Uh, like you said, I think he's a guy that can be a starter in the league, but he's not like going to be an all-star, I don't think, ever. Uh, just a, a consistent guy that's going to come in and get you 12 points, 10 rebounds every night. Yeah, I mean... From what I'm, from what I, rem- the thing is, his jump shot, I guess, looks flat to me. Um, well, at least what I, from what I remember, but you know, um, it's maybe he's like entirely changed his jump shot now or something. You never know anymore. Um, the, the thing with with Jonte, right, is he didn't just tear his ACL. <laughs> he also tore his MCL, so he tore both. <laughs> <laughs> Which so is he blew out his knee. Yeah. Full on. Like he tore his ace it says he tore his ACL and his MCL in a practice scrimmage versus Southern Illinois. Oof. So I mean you're so talking you, ACLs. What about the PCL? PCL? No, no, no PCL, just ACL and MCL. <laughs> so uh the AC his ACL would be in the front of the knee and then the MCL would be in the inner side of the knee. Um, just clearing things up there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the family medical history is kind of, it should it should hurt him. But again, we've already discussed he's not super athletic anyway. So you're not going to care too much if it's a little bit of a athleticism factor uh, being affected. But uh, if he can't stay healthy, that's that should be a deterrent. Yeah, well, that's that's just my thing is that can he even stay healthy? I mean, he injured both of those ligaments in a practice scrimmage against Southern Illinois. Like that's that's bad. Do you know what his timeline is? Uh, it just said he's out for the season. Like he's not coming back this year. That's what I do know. God, I've been trying to see. If, if I had to guess, he's probably out until like, oh, it's probably almost a twelve month injury. Yeah, I'd imagine. So maybe he comes back day one of the NBA season. Yeah. You would think that would be enough, but I think he's benefiting from not being seen right now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. he has nothing to lose being a part of that Missouri team right now. You mean nothing to gain? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, he has not, there's, no, there's no reason for him to be on there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So he's not missing out on anything or anything like that. Um, yeah, he just has a – he's like one of those players that just has a really great fundamental game, generous with the ball, not selfish. He's going to make the right pass out of the post every single time almost, it seems like. He's not flashy like Nikola Jokic or anything, but he's he just – he's just – just seems like he's a very textbook player. And he's almost like – the he's just like – seems like he's the perfect like IQ sort of guy to pick if you're looking for that sort of guy, which I do love those kind of guys. Um, would there, you like? Would you want to see him uh, get drafted by Dallas? Uh, in the top five, because he's not going in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him as high as top five. Uh, not with the Mavs if, having. If, who would the Mavs? Who do you want? You want the Mavs to get a wing though, right? 
Well, I want the Mavs to either, if they don't get one, I want them to trade down or trade out. So, Jonte, I don't even know where he's going to end up in the draft because Combine is basically what determines where he goes at this point. Say we trade back to 10 or 11 or something like that. Would you want to see him on the Mavs? It'd be like 10 and 14 or whatever. But, um, yeah, I could see it. Because he could, like he, like we all said, he could. He's uh, very, very fundamental, high IQ, three and D. Even though the shot, he kind of struggled to extend it to NBA range. So that's going to be interesting, especially since he's having knee problems. So that could potentially mess up his jumper. Who you know, you never know. Um, but overall, yeah, he he would be like an interesting way to do a pat, be able to pass uh, post to post from a. Uh, Jonte to KP or Jonte posts up because he is a good passer. Then he could kick out to Porzingis in like the corner and then, or like out to Luca and then penetration. And then it'd be like a really interesting, like almost like a weird, like three man ball movement sort of game where someone's going to score on you between Luca or KP and Jonte can be like the mini facilitator in certain sets. Okay. All right. Just curious. But I wouldn't pick him top five. No, not, not, in, not in Dallas. No, maybe if I if I was a team that was completely tanking, I might consider it. But not because he's not because he's a player that's not going to help you win games. It's just because you're taking a lot of bets on a guy's health. So if you're a top five team, you have a little less to lose. And if you're like a team that doesn't really have much, like a Cleveland or something, that'd be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe you can teach Colin Sexton how to be a more intelligent basketball player. <laughs> All right. Uh, do, I feel like we have another. Is that it? No, that's it. Oh wow. Well, you know what? Screw it. Uh, unless you unless you don't have the list up, do you just want to skip the? Since we kind of had our mess out, do you want to do the small colleges, or you just want to skip it completely? Uh, I think we need to skip it. I don't believe. I mean, conference tournaments are right around the corner. I have Brown. On the eighth, that's about it. That's Desmond Cambridge, and I don't have who they were playing. I didn't pull it up since. Well, I can look it up. So. <laughs> I found that game, by the way. Uh, it's Brown at Princeton at four p.m. Friday the eighth on uh, ESPNU, four p.m. Eastern. That is. All right. Um. So this has been another episode of Third Round Picks. Hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions or anything or any feedback, we appreciate it. You can find Richard at MazDraft and MazDraft.com. You can find Bibbs at Bibbs Corner and Adam Bibbs and his work on BibbsCorner.com, which is going to be ramping up soon. And then my work on LockDraft.com and Dallas Prospect, TheDallasProspect.com. And my Twitter is at MaxScouts. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Peace. All right, so you can find um, Trevor on Twitter uh, at Illegal Screens, and also he writes for um, The Step Back and uh, also NBA Draft content on fan side. Uh, appreciate it, Trevor. We really enjoy your time, even though it was sadly cut short by an unfortunate power outage. So um, if you're all wondering why he kind of like disappeared like half like halfway through the podcast,